Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 434 for the 8th of Shvat in a regular year. One of my favorite parts of Prospect Park is this little area that is not too far from the ice skating rink uh, that has like some water and the biggest feature of it are the turtles. So the turtles, it depends on the season, it depends on the weather, you know, you don't always see the turtles, but when the turtles are there, I just love it. I love watching the turtles swim around in the water, hang out on the rocks. Something about it is just so mesmerizing to me. I find the turtles to be really fascinating. Now, what's interesting about turtles is that turtles are actually used in today's episode by the Alter Rabbi, actually citing the uh, the Midrash as a metaphor for, to help us understand God. So what is it about turtles that are so unique? Well, the first way that we can recognize a turtle is by its shell, right? So you look at a turtle, you see its shell. What is the turtle other than its shell? If you took off the turtle's shell, you know, would you even be able to recognize the turtle? Not really, right? Um, which is interesting because we've spoken about shells quite a bit in uh, in the Tanya so far. We talked about this idea of the husks, you know, the klipos, uh, and we talked about this idea of how uh, these husks, these cl- these shells, can be thought of as sort of like the shells of a fruit, like let's say or a nut. So let's say you think about a walnut. So you see a walnut, you see a walnut in its shell or outside of its shell, and it's two separate things. It's like there's the shell of the walnut, and then there's the walnut itself. We don't think of the walnut as being the shell. But in the case of a turtle, the turtle and its shell are really one and the same in a certain sense. You know, I mean, there's more to the turtle than just its shell, but the the way that the Midrash explains it is the shell of the turtle is its body. So we can almost think about it as the shell. It really is kind of like the skeletal structure of the turtle. But whereas for other kinds of creatures, like you think about a human, we have a skeleton, right? But our skeleton is on the inside. It's not on the outside versus for a turtle, their skeleton is right there on the outside. And it's it's what we see. It's what we observe to the outside world. So why are we talking about this? And how is it that a turtle can help us understand God? Well, If you've been following along the past few episodes, and please go back and listen to at least yesterday's episode if you get a chance, if you haven't already, we've been talking about this idea of God's speech and what makes God's speech similar to our speech in the sense that that's why we refer to it as speech, at least in an allegorical sense. Um, And in what ways is it different? So what we've learned so far is that the way by which God's speech is really different than our speech is that when it comes to our speech, then, you know, there's us and then there's the words that we speak. And they're, they're two separate things. They're separate from us. I, I spoke about how, 
you know, I'm, I'm recording these podcast episodes and you can listen to it days later and I'm not even there. I'm off doing who knows what and you're listening to my voice. My voice has taken on an existence of its own. And even though, yes, it's only a recording, even if you're listening to me in real time, there's a distinction between me and my voice and my speech, which is not the case for God. For God, there is nothing separate than from him. But yet, why is it that we call God's speech speech in that case if it's not separate from him? We said because the purpose of speech is to reveal something going on on the inside and to reveal it, to communicate it to to the outside, which is the purpose of God's speech as well. God creates the worlds in order to have there be some type of revelation happen. The worlds are a type of God, God revealing himself. So now this is, so where does the turtle come in and what's this all about? So that's the turtle today is an analogy again, taken borrowed from the Midrash Rabbah that the ultra Rebbe brings uh, towards the end of the section today, actually, to describe this process, to describe this kind of paradoxical nature of God's speech. And the way that it's kind of un- to be understood is by thinking, by understanding and recognizing that God's speech has two different aspects to it. On the one hand, God's speech appears to us to be separate from God, meaning to say when we say God's speech, we mean all of the creations, uh, all of the worlds. Like we, we live in the, on this earth, we look around at things in the world, and they seem to have an existence apart from him. But yet, ultimately, if you learn Hasidus and you really study these kind of things and you understand the workings and the mechanisms of how it all works, you understand that they're actually not separate from God. And from God's perspective, they're actually one and the same with him. So it depends which perspective you're looking at. So from God's perspective, which is the true reality, the true like kind of objective reality, um, there is no separation between him and his speech. Just like for a turtle, you know, there is no separation between the turtle and its shell. They're one and the same with him versus for us as the created beings, we do see that there's a distinction. We, this is our perception. So the, so the, just like when we look at a turtle, it does look like there's a turtle in its shell, even though the turtle and its shell are one and the same. You can't really distinguish them one from the other. So this is, this is really what's going on, is that uh, we experience the multiplicity of the world. We experience the independence of the world from God, but this is merely our perception. This is, this is a trick. It's like an optical illusion, we can say, Whereas the true reality, the God perspective, as that is that it's really truly one and united with Him. So let's see how the Altar Rebbe explains this. And for context, we're going to be concluding chapter twenty-one today of Lukatam Arm. So the Altar Rebbe begins actually making reference to how we we concluded yesterday. So yesterday's portion, we talked about this idea of, at, at the end of yesterday's portion, we talked about this idea of how the letters of our thoughts and speech, before they become manifest in thought and speech, they're one and unified with our minds and with our uh, with our chokhmah, with the faculty of chokhmah within our minds, as well as within the yearning within our heart, right? Before they become manifest, they're, they're there in, uh, in a totally unified and so, and sub- subjected kind of way, like totally nullified to the mind or to the heart. So this is exactly the same way, says the Altar Rabbi today, that God's speech and thoughts are unified with him 
even after they become manifest to the outside, they become manifest uh, in terms of creating the worlds. Uh, and, and it's the same type of unity as before the worlds were created. So that's how God is different. So for us, it's like there's a reality of our words before we speak them. And then there's the reality of our words after we speak them. Before we speak them, they're one with us. After we speak them, there's something apart from us. But with God, even after he says the words, which causes the worlds to be created, these words are still unified with God. And there's absolutely no change in him at all. The only change is to those things which have become created, so which receive their vitality from his speech. So to the receptor, that's that's where the change happens. And these receptors, these creations, they receive the vitality from God's speech as it's already been manifest to the outside. So, so it's like God speaks, and from God's perspective, the speech on the outside is still unified and one with him. Nevertheless, to the receptor, the, to, to the created beings that come about through the speech, they're receiving the vitality through the speech that becomes vested and clothed within them uh, in order to vitalize them. And the way that they, that this speech becomes included within them is through this process co- known as the histalshalus, the uh, the chain reaction kind of force that goes through a bunch of what are known as tzimtzumim, contractions, many different types of contractions in order for these created beings to receive the vitality and so that they will not become nullified in their source. So it's a, it's a little bit of a paradox here what the altar is saying. And once again, this is one of those areas that well, we can learn about it, you know, it might kind of like, it's it's hard to wrap our brain about ar- around how this works exactly. So on the one hand, what we're saying is we're saying that God creates the world through speech and God's speech, unlike our speech, he doesn't change through our speech. His speech is not separate from him, even when it's manifest on the outside, it's, it's one and unified with him. There's no separation between God and his speech. On the other hand, we're saying that what is the purpose of the speech? What does the speech do? The speech creates different kinds of creations, different worlds and things like that. And to these worlds, and so from the perspective of these worlds, so it's all about like perspective, basically. It's like from the perspective of these worlds, how are they existing? How are they um being alive, being alive, and you know, being um, having an existence of their own, is they are they're receiving their vitality through God's speech. But the way that they're receiving their vitality through God's speech is through a bunch of different like concealments, a bunch of different tzimtzumim, which are which are they're called hestopanim, the a con, the concealment of the face, and it it hides this this light overtly, uh, and this allows for these created beings to have a semblance of their own existence to not just be nullified in their source completely and not and then it would be like they wouldn't be created at all you know so it's like it's sort of like this is the way the ultra has explained that these two realities can coexist that on the one hand uh everything that god creates is really truly unified with him but yet those created beings that god does create don't have this experience of being totally unified with God. They experience God in a more concealed and constricted manner. They they receive, receive they uh, experience not only God, but they experience God's vitality, God's light in a uh, in a constricted manner. And this is what allows them to have a consciousness whereby they feel themselves to be independent beings and not just disappear and not just like be subsumed in their source. And this is exactly what would happen if. Uh, if we were, to, if these creations like us were part of that creation, if we were to receive God's light in a more uh, direct way, in a less, con- in, in 
a way that's not concealed at all, we wouldn't be able to handle it. We wouldn't be able to exist in our uh, in our own right, have have a sense of existence at all. And so thus the only way that we can exist is we have to experience that God's light, we have to have the perception that God's light is something separate than him. And that it just comes out of him like the speech of man from his soul. So it's like from our perspective, we perceive God's speech as being similar to our speech in the sense that, you know, a person, there's a person and then there's their speech as we described. So we think of it as there's God and then there's his speech, uh, aka his creations, his, you know, how he manifests his light in order to create this world and all the other worlds. But from God's perspective, there is no change. There's no different. There's no, you know, he didn't conceal himself from himself. And uh, and for God, this is why, says the altar, but this is a verse from Tehillim chapter 139, verse 12, that light, that darkness is like light. And then in that same verse, it also says, Gam Even the darkness does not obscure anything from you. So one thing that, you know, one imagery that I'm sort of picturing with this is like the game of peekaboo. You know, so an adult plays peekaboo with the child. And for the child, when the adult covers up their face with a blanket or whatever, then the child, you know, they're just experiencing this idea. They're learning the idea of object permanence. They really think that the adult went away. They think that the adult disappeared. And then when the adult comes back and says peekaboo, then it's really exciting. The adults appeared like seemingly out of thin air, right? But from the adult's perspective, they were there the whole time, whether they had the cloth in front of themselves or away from their face to the adult, they were always there. <laughs> so the change is only to the recipient, to the child who's seeing either seeing the, the adults in, you know, really seeing their face or seeing them, be, seeing just this cloth that's cover, covering up the adult's face. So it's a similar thing with God. Like we experience God as if there's a cloth in front of his face, so to speak. Uh, so, but from God's perspective, it's, he's there, you know, cloth, no cloth, whatever. There's no difference in him. And for God, it's, this is even, this goes even further because it's like in the case of peekaboo, there's the cloth and then there's a the person. So even the person who's putting up the cloth, even from their perspective, they realize they are holding a cloth that is not themselves, right? But for God, it's, it's a little bit different because God, um, God's veils, like the cloth, so to speak, that God is using is not actually something separate from God. And what the Midrash likens this to, so this is, we, we mentioned this before, this is in Breshish Rabbah 21.5, it, it likens it to a turtle or a snail, depending on how you translate it, that the shell is part of its body. So it's like in the case of a turtle, it's like, is the shell concealing the turtle or is it revealing the turtle? It's, it sort of depends how you think of it, but the shell is very much intrinsic to the turtle itself. It is, it is the turtle. It's not a concealment of the turtle, like that's something separate than the turtle. It is, so we say, you know, a turtle like hides underneath its shell, but what is the shell? The shell is the turtle, right? So it's the same thing. So this is why it's a good analogy to kind of understand this is that yes, God creates these concealments so that we can, um, that we can, uh, handle him basically and not expire and not totally dissolve in our source. But these concealments are made up of nothing other than God himself. And, um, and then the ultra bit concludes here. And he says that this is the explanation for the idea of, of, uh, of what it says. Ki Hashem hu elukim. This is a very famous citation. This comes from Dvarim chapter four, verse 35, which basically translates to mean that Hashem is our Lord or Hashem is the Elohim. So this is a huge topic in Chassidus and it's actually explained 
it throughout Hasidus, the, the Tanya focuses on it a lot. In brief, the Hashem, which we call Hashem, is, is an allusion to the Yudke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton. This is the aspect of God, which is kind of thought of as being like the um, infinite level of God, the level of God that transcends all the worlds and uh, and is like beyond our our reality and then there's the idea of elokim elokim is has the same numerical value as hateva which means nature it's the finitude of god it's the aspect of god that allows for there to be multiplicity in the world and throughout hasidus the interesting thing that comes up is the idea that these two names of god even though they're both two different names names they're one and the same it's the same god so whether god is revealing himself whether god is concealing himself it's the same god there's no changing him at all and um and this and thus before God, everything is considered to be not and nothing. That's how the Altarabic concludes today. So that's it for today. And so I hope that that was somewhat enlightening. Um, once again, you know, these topics are really, really deep. And as much as we're trying to grasp them and understand them, ultimately, there is a level that is really just beyond our understanding and inability to grasp. Like, how is it that God creates, um, you know, it's the whole thing of like, can God create a, a rock that's too difficult for him to move? You know, it's the same kind of question. It's like, how is it that God, uh, a part of, there's a part of God that can conceal himself Um but it's really made up of himself as well. How is this possible? You know, and this is a very deep topic. And so hopefully this, this, uh, today's episode gave you a little bit of an insight into this whole idea. And we will continue tomorrow when we move on to a new chapter, chapter 22, and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow. And until then, have a great day.